All right, everyone, welcome back to the Loopcast. We are live. As always, we will be live here Monday, noon, Eastern time. Uh, I see some red eyes here. We, we all were up watching the Super Bowl, as I'm sure many of you were as well. Um, but just a quick overview of what we're going to be talking today. We're going to talk about that infamous He Gets Us Super Bowl ad that seems to be riling all the right people up. We're going to do a little bit of a last week review with the president not being mentally fit to be charged, but mentally fit to be president somehow. And uh, we're just going to do some Lent talk. We're going to talk about what we're giving up, maybe hear from some of you in the comments, what you're going to do from Lent. But it should just be a fun all-around episode. So starting off top, we actually, the cool thing about the live is we're going to be able to show this ad. Uh, for a lot of people watching, someone spent a lot of money to get a campaign. Actually, he gets real this. quick, Tom, real yeah. quick. I know I'm just kind of, kind of doing this live, but, you know, because the Super Bowl's over and we have a new season now, I'm going to be cheering for my Vikings. They're going to win the Super Bowl <laughs> someday, guys, someday. It's really there probably gross how many times i told my wife like the lions would have won this game we matched up so well with the chiefs we would have won the game it would have been glorious it would have been glorious and and where would i be too sorry real quick we're talking merch merch Merch. university mary Mary saga has been completed shout out to university mary they actually did give us all merchandise we've been a little slow putting it on this is my first time wearing it. it looks very sharp uh and yes i'm shameless give me your merch i will promote it University of Mary, the Marauders, go Marauders. Shout out to uh, North Dakota people here uh, checking in. Love you guys. You're the best. I'm going to be heading back that way to their campus in probably April. So let me know if I can tag along. I'd love to go. Check it out. That's go awesome. Erica, and, sorry. And, and I just wanted to also, you know, I got to step in here. We talk a lot about the Oracle of Petoskey here on the show. Josh Mercer, prophet in his own time. However, the Super Bowl itself, I do just want to point out, I am wearing – Chiefs red because of the three co-hosts you see before you, whose team actually triumphed in the Super Bowl as called mm. on New Year's Eve. Just want to say that. Yeah. The girl, Although, the girls team. That's right. That's, that's more of a that's more of the red that the 49ers wear than the Chiefs. They have a brighter red. Okay, hater. Dude, I'm pregnant. I have two her, shirts dude, right now. The yeah. one time she gets something right, that's a hater move. <laughs> totally a hater all hey also, I, i'm working the refs i don't care josh i have to say um this has probably been the women's season of the nfl though if there were ever a women's season the taylor swift type mm. you know she made it all the way she doesn't know what it's like to lose I, we already have someone in the chat here try being a browns fan have it done like <laughs> the Lions. and and may Better. i say yeah. eric a uh, nighthawk is a browns fan so nighthawk is there suffering with you it was really a tough season, apparently, for Nighthawk and the, the Browns. I'm sorry, but not sorry. The Lions will be back next year, no question. Um, but commercials. People like watching the Super Bowl for commercials. And I've actually, my again, my wife would probably laugh because I've seen the He Gets Us campaign around. And I've always been like, why are we wasting our time with this? It doesn't seem like, it always seems shallow i guess and like what who's actually behind this i don't really understand it we actually have the ad here to play nighthawks got it um this one riled the right people up and uh we'll see if uh, we can break down what happened here so if you want to play the ad nighthawk we can roll don't ask me what you know is true don't have to tell you I love your precious heart. I
for copyright reasons. <laughs> well played, Nighthawk. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be an interesting one to listen to on audio, of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk it up. It's almost over here, but uh, just to give a breakdown, it's it's multiple scenes, stills of interestingly very similar groups of people uh, washing the feet. Someone, of who's, someone who's gay, someone who works at an abortion factory, which kills babies, you know, mm. um, all sorts of people that look different. Like this is, this is like a scandal. Ooh, like, Oh wow. We're really brave here. Right. Stunning. You know, it, the whole point is, as someone mentioned, it, you know, are they actually going to have somebody like washing the feet of, of, of a guy wearing a MAGA hat? No, hmm. of course not. And this is all intended to, to make, uh, you know, white conservative Christians to be uncomfortable and feel guilty about all the things that they believe in. It's worth going, by the way, here, if you go to the website, he gets us. Mm -hmm. It's a diverse group of Jesus followers with a wide variety of faith journeys and lived experiences. Now I'm going to read this here for you next. This is from their website. So see if you can, you know, if we got uh, listeners with a, with a keen ear, I think okay, ready? pulling it up as well. Yes. Our work represents the input from Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, as well as many others, though not Christians, share a deep admiration for the man that Jesus was. And we are deeply inspired and curious to explore his story. Now, I'm not going to get upset that they fail to capitalize pronouns like his. But those are the pronouns I think Jesus deserves. Capital letters. Your pronoun not guy, Josh? Not going to nitpick that, right? <laughs> Did you catch that, though? Yeah. Deep admiration for the man that Jesus was? Yeah. Bro, <laughs> you're you're spending $7 million on an ad about Jesus, and you're claiming that Jesus was? Jesus is. <laughs> right. You know, he did come back to life. He rose from the dead. He is alive. Jesus is alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like what? Josh, but you're falling Hello? for the trick. You're falling <laughs> for the trick here. They they don't care and they're not Christian. That's like well, these people That's don't believe I'm, what we believe. I know that. I'm just right. making sure people understand. I mean, as the great prophet Aaron McIntyre says, progressivism will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy. Make sure you understand this, people. They want to take everything you hold dear, hijack it, and shove it in your face. They don't actually, if you actually try to win the argument back and say, well, wait a minute. Now, actually, what Christianity teaches is love. And and here's what, you know, the, the teachings. And let me quote for me the catechism. They'll just go blank. They don't care. It's, yeah. it's, 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 there's no point to arguing with them. And that's, in fact, one of the best articles that came out this week was by Anthony Esselin talking about the culture war. Go check it out at Chronicles. He says it's a culture war, whether we like it or not. And the point that he's making is that so many Christians want to engage in this argument, go you know, blow to blow on all the different ideas and, and try to convince them, no, actually, here's what's really going on. And, and what we fail to understand is the other side is not interested in an, in an exchange of ideas. They think it's a power struggle. They want you, they want to tear down your statue and they don't care. They're not listening to arguments. They want to get rid of you and everything you believe in. 
Yeah, and I think um, one of the so uh, Peter Wolfgang's in the comments there, and he's talking about the history of who who is behind this ad because this was a big spend. It was seven million dollars for a spot this long on the Super Bowl. So this is a really big spend. And yeah, He Gets This was originally launched, Peter, I got you, um, by the same group. I think one of their big donors was uh, the founder of Hobby Lobby. <clears throat> and they had also given uh, a lot of money to Alliance Defending Freedom, who are great friends of ours. They do amazing work in the court. And so last year, when they aired the He Gets This commercial, it was pretty innocuous. It was like, you know... The, we're just going to love our enemies and overcome division and everything. This year it went, it definitely swang way progressive because again, like just to, to kind of bring the Marxist language into this a little bit, all of these images are just reinforcing that oppressor versus victim uh, talk. And it's all of the stereotypical, totally. what the ruling elite tell us is the rule for the, for the audio. Erica, for yeah, the go ahead. Run oh, yeah, for the uh, for the audio. Yeah. So we talked a little bit. We've got like um, a very clear gay man being what his feet are being washed by a guy in a cleric. So we've got a woman outside an abortion clinic, a so-called. Oh, that's abortion. not what they call it, by the way. I don't know if you right, a that up. family planning center. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, there's all these angry pro-life protesters way in the background, like far away from the foot washing. Did you get the message? It's so that was, subtle. That was right? one thing that I picked up. I was like, <laughs> until afterwards, I was like, oh, they have a euphemism for abortion. Yeah, clinic. that's like, the they euphemism. Couldn't even, they didn't have the guts to call it Planned Parenthood or something like that. I mean, it's all euphemism. but Exactly, exactly. And what I was following, I was on Twitter, of course, while I'm watching the game because I was just like spacing out. And people, it, Twitter blew up when this ad aired. And some people in uh, the Catholic, the Christian Twitter Worse, we're saying, well, this is a great thing because it doesn't matter who's talking about Jesus as long as he's being talked about in public. And this is going to spark so many conversations. And, you know, maybe progressives will, will think twice about Jesus now that they've seen this ad. And I'm like, I really don't, I don't know if it, this kind of messaging is exactly what you know, the apostles had in mind or what their example in, say, the book of Acts gave us. Like, when we preach Jesus in public to start a conversation, like Josh said, he is the living son of God who died and rose again from the dead uh, to save us from our sins. Like that's the message. Kind of a big that, deal. Uh, it's kind of a big deal, right? And if if he didn't rise again, our faith is totally in vain. So maybe we should uh, lead with that. Um, but But I don't think like telling people who disagree with Christianity or who don't like Christians or Catholics that no, 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 no. Jesus is just like you. It's going to be fine. You, yeah. you come on too. I just, he's not I, threatening. He's political. Erica, you, you right. make a great, great point there. I think the even again, there's a misunderstanding about what the feet washing actually is. Um, yeah. The way that they use it in this is like, it's almost like us coming to, or like a, the priest coming to the gay man or something and almost like they're almost saying sorry to them because of course, what's the ending? Yeah. Jesus didn't teach hate. So of course all the people were washing the feet implied then are the hateful groups. But mm -hmm. when Jesus came and washed the feet, he said, all right, now, now leave behind your sins and come follow me. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of that happening in the ad, uh, of course, because the implication is to bludgeon good, good, well-meaning Christians with the, well, Jesus said something about compassion in the Bible. So now you do what I want. You know, now I could try right. now, now mm -hmm. affirm what I'm doing now become more like the world. Of course, that's not the real Jesus Christ. If anything, the Jesus, Jesus Christ was the biggest revolutionary of all time. Um, but there's a really simple and effective, it's actually in meme form. I'm looking at it now. I don't know if Nighthawk has this, but it's, uh, 
insert leftist talking point here because Jesus said to be compassionate in the Bible somewhere. No, I'm not a Christian and I have nothing but contempt for backwards for your backwards religious beliefs. So yeah, this argument wouldn't work on me, but maybe if I use it on you, you'll do what I want. Yeah, right. exactly. That was a great summary, I think, of- it's a political <laughs> power play. Yeah. And it's manipulative because they, again, like they know, like Josh said, so many Christians come to the table, Catholics come to the public square feeling like, well, if I just give my reasons, they'll let me have a seat at the table. And we are so far beyond that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, we've moved beyond that. So. Yeah. But there was a, a Catholic yeah. organization that put out an ad. I know everyone was looking forward to that. Yeah, ad. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Did you guys like it? Hello. Hello got Mark Wahlberg up. Marky Mark. Stay prayed up. Stay prayed up. You know. It was a better ad with a, someone in Boston than that uh, Dunkin' Donuts thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Dunkin' Donuts ad. I, I, I mean, I love the Dunkin' ad. I thought it was so funny. Ah, of course you do. <laughs> that was hilarious. It involved Tom Brady, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, the Halloween one, I'm glad Brady. that they did. Yeah. So it, it, honestly, first thought, Catholic Vote made a very similar video like a couple years ago. <laughs> And in my opinion, much better, more effective, uh, just substitute out vote for pray. But I mean, similar purposes, of course. Um, I don't know. It's a little underwhelming. I'm glad that they did it. Um, yeah, that's fine. Not, not to, you know, make any of the Halo fans out here angry. I, th- I mean, I think what they're doing is good. Mm-hmm. Um, one that did stick out, though, was the uh, the in the very beginning, the flying football players was so fun. I loved the flying football players. <laughs> My it kids like loved them. Goofy. <laughs> it was goofy. It was really dumb. Oh it was, it was best clean and funny. Unless you had a Vikings fan, you know, one of those players in full regalia with the horns and like wearing actual swords. Well, they weren't really good enough to warrant inclusion in the in the commercial this year. So you got to understand that. Mm-hmm. Meow. You know? Ouch. So, um, yeah. And then the, Vol- the Volkswagen one cracked me up because – at first, I was watching them like, this is a great ad. Like, they're going back to the beginning, a little Americana nostalgia, the bug, Herbie the love bug, all that. And then they made it gay. I was like, gosh, dang it. Like, it was so good. And then they had, like, two girls kiss. I was like, what does this have anything to do with Volkswagen? And then I saw well, an amazing meme about, like, someone's like, oh, do you really want to go over the history of Volkswagen? <laughs> of course, implying that Volkswagen was uh, affiliated with Hitler. So... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to go all the way back. Wanted to stop a little bit short, but it's like, dang it. It was selective was history. It was of a course. rewritten history. <laughs> Always. I mean, I thought mostly as were kind oh, of. Dude, oh, dude, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Oh, come on, man. So annoying. Night I do just- like. I actually like the State Farm commercial making fun of Schwarzenegger camping. Can't say the word neighbor. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good, man. That's that's creative. You know, that was clever. Yeah. <laughs> they had to bring in this. They had to bring in this twin at the end to say it right, Danny DeVito. State Farm mm-hmm. had the best advertising on the field, though, which yeah. it's all rigged and the Illuminati's involved. But we didn't miss that. that. You mean the streaker? Uh-huh. That was State Farm. So, and then Timu. What's up with this Timu garbage? Who's actually buying from Timu? Right. I want. I want a. I want a president that doesn't allow the Chicoms to have ads all during the Super Bowl. It was like by far the most advertising i think and, it was and, they, and they're saying like all their stuff is like a dollar 99 cents yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like well where are they getting this money if everything they're selling is like dirt cheap probably child labor that's my thought yeah probably yep. no they were aimed at all of the women aged 50 and younger who team hey, just like, so like yeah my my no swifties i'm not a swifty but my social media feed every ad every other ad is timu it's like timu you shop like a billionaire and <laughs> 
So now you guys got to experience what a woman's social media feed looks like just for a few short hours of the Super I don't like Bowl. it. Timu, like Chinese. It. Although Timu. instead of commercials, what I, I, I tended to do is watch the actual game itself. And the first half was a snow snooze fest. Yeah. I just thought they weren't playing that good at all. And then they woke up for the second half and it was actually a decent game in the second half. And I was happy to see Harrison Bucker the a break a record with the longest field goal in the Super Bowl. Harrison Bucker, who who did an ad for Catholic Vote. We love we love, love Harrison Bucker. So he's a good man. So God, God continues Congrats. to lift his field goals through the uprights. No question. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a picture after the game too, that it was Harrison Bucker and David Henry from, I believe wizard of Waverly plays fame. I know that's going to be a little bit too young of a reference. I don't even know what that too. means. Mm, um, I have no idea what they're that both very well known <laughs> Catholic influencers. Uh, Harrison Bucker, obviously. And then this guy, David Henry, they both go to the Latin mass and they're both very public about it. Mm. And I was like, this picture might have the power to get Pope Francis to overturn Traditionis Custodes. <laughs> Argentinians hate American football, though, so no can do. Not going to wait, 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 wait. Football. Not American football. Football. There's football and there's soccer. Football. <laughs> I was, was trying to be globalist. This is all globalist on you, Josh. Football came before football. Yeah, come uh, on, But man. Shout, out, shout out Erica. What up, Erica? Uh, did we oh, yes. Kennedy There's... political ad. We were oh. about to. Okay. Erica with a K. You spell it right. I love you. Great. Oh, we got it. We got it to play along with Josh talking. All right. Here we go. The Talk. most effective $7 million spent during the Super Bowl. No question. And a lot of political types are like, well, this is kind of dumb. And there wasn't much in the ad except for him saying, Kennedy, 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 Kennedy. <laughs> it's from, it's his uncle's ad from, you know, 1960 or whatever. Um, but you introduce 100 million Americans. To, hey, by the way, there's a guy with a big name running for president, and he's not one of the two guys you probably can't stand. So it's extreme. I, mean, I don't like Kennedy at all. Uh, he's horrible. And let's not forget, he thought Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh should have been arrested for exercising free speech. So there's no way a, a freedom candidate. Don't don't buy into that stuff. However, purely analyzing it in a political way. Highly effective use of $7 million to introduce yourself to 100 million Americans who had no idea you're running for president. Yeah. And anecdotal evidence. He did apologize for it. Okay. So Peter said he did apologize. He did. That's good. But it's insane to think that would be your instinct. (laughs) But that is the fakest apology of all time. Let's all be honest about that. Come on. He's like, oops, sorry. Oh, man. I'm so sorry that millions (laughs) of people saw my campaign. Oh, shucks. I'm really going to have to talk to the super back people after this. Like, no, nah, he's not mad about this. This is the fakest apology. Ever. <laughs> yeah. What and I do, I do want to offer, I'm offering my anecdotal Wait, evidence. No. What, Tom, what, apology, what apology are you talking about, Tom? What? He, he apologized for people that saw the ad and he was, said he didn't talk to the super PAC about. Yeah. They don't coordinate it that, but I think what Peter was saying in the comments, I thought he meant like he apologized for what he, his position of wanting Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh arrested. Incorrect. I believe he's talking about the commercial. <laughs> All right. Well, Pete, come on. Let's go. All right. Let's keep it moving. Josh, go back to the comment section. I you like can talk it. to him there. Uh, Erica, right. what were you saying? <laughs> no, I was going to say my anecdotal evidence is the people I watched the Super Bowl with, that ad came on and they're like, what is this? What, is this a movie? Is this going to come out? And what is this? And I was like, no, he's really running like as an independent now. And they said, no, no way. Like they had no idea. It's That's great. right. It's nice for me to get out of my Catholic vote bubble and be like, there are people who have no idea who the <laughs> candidates are. Yeah. He's, po- I mean, he's polling pretty, 
Yeah, I guess the polling some people say is deceptive because it's like, well, that's the people who just don't want Trump or Biden. But well, I saw in the 20%, right? 20, 21, 22% range. Mm-hmm. It's not bad at all for an independent. So you might I mean, end up with like two, three, four percent, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was effective. He and, needs this was a win for him and his campaign. He needs a win like this every month win after win after win after win to get himself in the conversation. And if he doesn't, it's just going to fade because it's cheap. It's super, super cheap to say, I'm not going to vote for either of those. I'll vote for this guy, you know? And so you get these polls where Kennedy's at 15, 20% or whatever. And basically what it amounts to is a good chunk of the American population is what they're telling people by saying that in the poll is, ugh, I don't want to have to vote for these two again. That's all that they're saying. They're not right. really saying, I love this Kennedy. I have no idea who he is, most of them. If you ask them, name seven or eight positions this guy has, they couldn't give you two. So yeah. it's like the uh remember when Vivek asked Nikki Haley, name three states in Ukraine. Yeah, three <laughs> provinces in Ukraine. She couldn't. It was well, was I, I don't like those gotcha questions necessarily, but for her, it, it should matter because she cares about Ukraine more than she does in the United States. Oh, but... she's an ambassador. Like she was Gosh, foreign on, in foreign man. policy. I love like, that question. She yeah. needs to know that if she wants to send her sons over there, she should know what's going on. Um, okay. So uh, we, we swap now, man, we missed a week last week. This is kind of a, <sighs> Yeah, I did take a pause on that one. So last week there were some things that went on. A couple, couple big things. One, Tucker Carlson was in the Kremlin. He interviewed uh, Josh. You better mute when you're talking to the comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tucker Carlson was in Russia interviewing Vladimir Putin, which was interesting. Uh, President Trump had his case thrown out to be thrown off the ballot. Uh, well, it was nine zero, right? Supreme Court nine zero decision in favor of trumping on the ballot. We don't have a we don't have a ruling yet, but they heard or arguments in the case. Ah, okay. Yeah, and the liberal justices, the you know who are cl- qualified cl- classified as liberal, their questions were as pointed and critical as the so-called conservative. So we're hoping for an eight-one or a nine and zero. Yeah, on that. Good yeah. day for Trump. Let's put it that way. Good, Good day, day for Trump. Trump. It was. Uh, also, there was a report that came out from I believe his name is Robert Hur. He was investigating the president's mishandling of classified documents. And boy, oh boy, was that report not good for Biden. Uh, in many places in it, it said how Biden couldn't remember uh, when he was vice president. He couldn't remember when his son had passed away. Uh, he was described in the document, direct quote, I believe a feeble old man, a, a nice, well-meaning Yeah, the direct man. quote was a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Oh. And so- New well, campaign they slowly dropped. Right, exactly. The, the well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Yeah, so the, the report, and I'm going to quote right from the document, it's 300 pages, so we're not going to go through every point, but the pull the pullout quote, they concluded that Biden did willfully retain and disclose classified materials, including to his ghostwriter, after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. But there, there are no criminal charges warranted in the matter. Basically, there's, they could not establish beyond a reasonable doubt to justify charging a sitting president. 
in this case. That wasn't so much of a surprise with this report. And this came out last Thursday. So it's it's making the rounds already. Everyone's probably heard this. But the the real surprise was a whole section devoted to Mr. Biden's mental and cognitive abilities. And I'm going to quote directly again. Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited both during his recorded interviews with uh, the ghostwriter in 2017. So that's, I mean, that's years ago. He was already, he already had significant limitations. And in his interview with our office, that's Mr. Her in 2023, just back in October. So yeah, her dropping all of this, the, the White House, of course, immediately calls a, a press conference, which with Biden is so unusual for him to come out in public, right, at all at this point. Like he won't debate, he won't do interviews with the press. Well, and and past oh, bedtime. You're, you're forgetting bedtime arguably the craziest part bedtime. of arguably the craziest part of that day was yeah. that after this came down, Biden was like, all right, I need to get in front of the public at 7 p.m. with no meeting agenda. Got in front of the public and just basically confirmed everything that came out of this document. Yeah, it was he, a disaster. He mixed up the Egyptian president with the Mexican, uh, Mexican president. He didn't know where the rosary that he got from his son was. Uh, by all accounts, looked he didn't like know it was Our Lady lost. of Guadalupe. It he was a wild talking. Well, and then he took questions from the reporters, which that shocked me. I expected like, okay, he'll come out. He's going to read a statement haltingly and with difficulty, and then they'll shuffle him back behind the curtain. But no, he took questions. And honestly, like, I, yeah, I, I sort of felt pity for the guy. Not too much. I know, Josh, I know. But he got really combative. And like Peter Ducey on Fox asked him a question and he's like, my mistake was letting you talk. And it just, it came across as dementia. A old man. Did not, <laughs> yeah. It, instead of the well-meaning elderly man with poor memory, we got like crotchety, angry old man with the <laughs> really memory. poor memory. It was, it was awkward. It was so my thing on that, there had to have been someone in the office that was like, hey, nudge, nudge, get in front of the public. Right. There's no way. There wasn't someone who was like, yeah, this is going to go poorly and it's probably good. It goes poorly. Let's you know, start accelerating the process. That was my two cents. Maybe. The whole problem here was that Joe Biden took Barack Obama's advice. Okay. Cause uh, Charlie Spearing is a writer uh, over at the Washington examiner and he's got a new book out and he made the point that Joe Biden wanted to pick Michigan governor Gretchen Whitmer as his running mate. But Barack Obama said, no, 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 no. We want a woman of color. You got to go with Kamala Harris. And so Biden picks Harris. And the problem with that is, as someone noted correctly, Kamala Harris is like your 25th Amendment insurance and policy because this guy obviously <laughs> should be removed from power. But they're like, wait a minute now. We're going to put her in charge. She can't even complete sentences either. She's terrible. And she's an electoral disaster. She ran for president and she she was out before the first vote. She's terrible. And so, but I still feel this is, it was just this week that we had the anniversary this week in 1967, they passed that 25th amendment and they should exercise it. This man is clearly not fit to stay in the power of the, the presidency anymore. And in the ABC news poll confirms it 86%, 86% of Americans think this guy should be 86. It's pretty obvious. He's too old. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like, I guess my problem with this is anyone with 
in any shred of integrity would exercise the 25th amendment regardless of if they were a democrat or a republican or an independent for that matter for anyone right. and i was even thinking like yeah. if trump was in this position i'm sure there would probably be a few people that would be doing the same thing they're doing to biden but i think i really do think that they would use the 25th amendment and they should use the 25th amendment if anyone i don't care who it is is in this it's just very un-american and treasonous in my opinion that we're continuing to push him like it's, nothing's wrong whenever well, and i think to josh's point to josh's point if if there was anyone in the vp seat besides camilla there that would be much more on the table for them um but yeah, and this was going to be my question, Peter, in the comments. Who's really running the Biden administration? It's not Biden. It's pretty clearly some guy behind the curtain, the little Wizard of Oz there. But the very next morning after this disastrous press conference that he held, the very next morning, the White House puts out this really bizarre tweet that was just like, we thank Kamala Harris. She that. has always been there for him. What an amazing, competent vice president we have. I'm like, the lady doth protest too much, right? But it was, I was like, oh, are they soft floating her? Or is this just going straight to hard floating her? For or she, position? she probably blackmailed him and said, if you don't say something good about me, I'm going to, I'm going to tell people what he, you know, how, how many times he ran into the wall or stuttered and called, you know, picked up a banana. I think it He's was a phone. I mean, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, tough, I do think it is Susan Rice. Biden. I think uh, I, I, Eric's got this comment in here that it's um, Obama is running the show via Susan Rice. I think that's accurate. Absolutely. Wait, ex explain that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Obama, it's this is this is actually Obama's third term. In other words, like no one really is running the show. All the old Obama hands are in the administration like Susan Rice. And they're the ones pulling the levers and telling him what to do. Because like what Jill Biden knows what to do, like and Joe is out to lunch, so someone's got to actually execute. And so Susan Rice is there, making all the decisions, calling you know Barack on the phone, saying what should we do here, what should we do that. So um, it's this is really Obama's third term, and you don't even get the the fancy talker, you know, mm, you know. Remember Barack? He was so good with rhetoric. Yeah. There's no. There's no blue states or red states it's, or purple states. It's the United States of America. And There's then Biden gets out there and goes, I'm the president for the red states and the green states. <laughs> like, There's green states now. New states green now. states. Yeah. What are those? The California? I don't, yeah, we're, I don't understand this. We're in trouble. Yeah. So who's Obama's fourth term? I mean, and we're I, talking. Gavin, what do you think, Josh? Well, I think the biggest problem with this is that because Kamala is such toxic toxicity, electoral poison biden just can't you know resign and or say like pull an lbj and say i'm not going to run it's now her turn and she's going to run because she they've have you seen these polls they've run they've run polls they've asked american people if it was between donald trump and kamala harris who would you vote for now Trump is leading by about three points against Biden, but against Kamala, it's like 50 to 42. It's eight points. He routes her. So the Democrats like, we can't have her. So like for them, the worst case scenario would be if, if the president died, because then she would become the president. And then she's obviously the nominee then. And Trump wins, I think, by seven points easy. So uh, for them, they're, they're, they're sort of in a bad scenario. Here's my hot take on this. Okay. Activists in each party think that the other party is ruthless and genius, right? So if you actually look at liberals the way they talk, they go, Mitch McConnell and those Republicans are cutthroat. They'll do whatever it takes to win. Trump, are you kidding me? 
and they think their side is feckless and wimpy. And you know what? So do the conservatives. They think their side is total wimp, spineless, gutless. They're not totally wrong. And they think the other side are totally geniuses. Well, here's the problem. It's not always the way it works. And there's always infighting and there's always different factions and camps. And so what's going on in the Democratic Party is Biden's team knows he's out to lunch. He's way past time. He's out to pasture. But what are they going to do? They can't have him resign or step down. Kamala gets, she loses. And you can't just replace the top of the team. Everyone's, I hear this. Oh, they'll swap out Biden for Gavin Newsom or something like that. And it's like, are you kidding me? A white male for another white male? You're going to have another white male leapfrog over a woman of color in the Democratic <laughs> Party? Awkward. That's not going to happen, people. The only way it happens. And then you get the fever pitch. Oh, the fever's Oh. They're going to bring Michelle Obama and have her. She has <laughs> oh. zero interest. Yeah. These are, she's living, she's living her best life. There yeah. is no way she wants These to These are conservatives president. that do not understand the Democratic Party. The, I, I, I get it. But it's like she has 0.0 interest in running. She's not going to run. It's this idea that Michelle is going to run. Just, what are, where are you getting this from? So you, I, think they're in a, I think they're in a box. I think Biden's the nominee in November and they're going to lose. And they, they don't have a better option right now. Josh, did you see the uh, James O'Keefe expose of the White House worker talking about Kamala? Did I did? That's I mean, he confirmed what I was. I've been saying to this too for weeks and months. I know. For those who haven't seen it, give us a give us just the clip. Yeah. So so James O'Keefe used to work for um, an organization called Veritas. I think he was uh, he was got his own thing now. OMG. Switched to his new thing. And so basically he just honeypots people into meeting with him and he wears a camera and a wire and he just publishes what they say. And it's always gay dudes. I don't, again, we're getting back to the gay stuff, but it was this gay dude in the white house who was like the, he was like a director for cybersecurity, something crazy. All James O'Keefe does is throw in a pair of glasses and give this guy a glass of wine. And he says everything. I mean, he's, Pouring it all out on the table, all the secrets, all this and that. So, like, yeah. So, like, what's I saw going how on? Biden is totally out the lunch. He's yeah, right. Cold. He's like, and he said exactly what you Everyone said. Everyone knows like, it. Kamala Harris, she can't retain staff. So, like, staff keep quitting on her. But it's like we can't say anything bad about that because she's a black woman. And then they're oh. like, well, we can't have her replace Joe Biden because uh, it would right. be having someone jump a black woman wouldn't also be possible. So they've kind of put themselves in this like cage. I know exactly. That's why it made me think of this. But we're talking about like. This guy's the director of cybersecurity for the White House. He doesn't know who James O'Keefe is. We're talking about the guy who's broke million, like thousands upon thousands of views of him doing this kind of thing to people. He gets one glass of wine, sees a pair of glasses. He's like, I'm about to tell this guy all my secrets that I have. I mean, what a while. How does he keep getting these people? Like, how are we hiring these idiots for the White House that are like, it's amazing. All you get is a glass of wine. I'm going to tell you everything. <laughs> so wild, you're man. telling me that Biden's computer security guy was not up to speed and not up to snuff. And it reminds me, do you remember this? Back in 2016, John Podesta, the chief of staff for Hillary Clinton's uh, 2016 campaign, he gets this phishing email and he's like, yeah. you got to change oh, your Google password. He's point. like, he goes, this, this kind of looks not so good. He kicks it over to Hillary Clinton's chief IT guy. He goes, what's, what am I supposed to do here? That, is exactly what you would want your chief of staff, your campaign manager to do. This doesn't look right. Something looks fishy. I'll ask the expert. And the IT guy goes, yeah, no, you should click that. You should change your password. Yeah. 
What? I mean, Hillary Clinton. It was a total Ukrainian phishing thing. Like the Russians got his password. They got all that stuff. And that's how we got all the WikiLeaks. And that's how we found out, by the way, that John Podesta and Soros were financing all these agitprop groups like Catholics and Alliance for Common Good. For so many years, I thought those sons of guns <laughs> were nothing but paid off by the left-wing atheists like George Soros to foment against the bishops and against the Catholic Church. And then he clicked it and proved it. It just is so beautiful. I love it, man. It was awesome. I remember that day when that came out on WikiLeaks. Was, I mean, I was like dancing. I was doing like the Russian dance, you know. Hey, 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 hey. Someone meme that up. Vodka. It was someone great. meme that up right now. If someone can, I'll pay you. It was great. Josh can, doing the Russian Photoshop dance. Photoshop of Josh. Josh doing the Russian hey, dance hey, to like hey, modern hey. music. Catholic Spring. Hey, hey. I'm putting a bounty out for that one. I want it so bad. I, I might it. make it right after this. Um, <sighs> but you know, we don't want to have too much fun here. You know, the season of Lent is Bring approaching. Ash Wednesday, right across the. Oh, Lent the is bend. fun, right? Lent. These guys are like, oh, aren't you so excited for Lent? Are you not excited no. for Lent, Josh? No, okay. who is? I'm. I'm a bad Catholic. I, it's a penitential <laughs> season. It's like, yay! I can't wait to talk about how sinful and crappy I am. Listen, I know you know, it's good for me, guys. I know it's good for me. I'm having a little fun with this. Penitence bring us closer to God. You know, we focus on what's important. Died, um, died of the Oracle. Died let's start with the uh, the star of the show, Erica. Do you have anything <laughs> uh, in particular you are doing for Lent this year? Well, I'm planning to give birth to my seventh, my eighth child. So that's, that's sort of like major uh, yeah. goals there. But yeah, I was thinking about it because I, I was really tempted because, you know, I don't have to fast as much and I don't have to do this as much. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm having a baby. It's it's going to be so hard anyway. But then I realized I've still got my debts to pay as our colleague Stephen Harriet sings in one of his wonderful songs, uh, Plug for Stephen. And uh, so, yeah, we're as a family where we do the usual, you know, give up desserts and, um, you know, we'll do the stations of the cross at home on Friday because the parish stations of the cross is well after the youngest children's bedtime. So we're not going to mess with that, but yeah, just trying to think about Lent more, not so much as I know, Josh, you're having fun, but it's the time to be miserable and think about my sins and all that. Yeah. It's for that, but also, um, just a time to simplify, Definitely deleting the social media apps from the phone and uh, getting, you know, setting some goals and boundaries for scrolling on the YouTube shorts, which I've become totally addicted to while I'm pregnant. <laughs> and it's time to break that addiction ahead of ahead of Easter. And that's something you can do even when giving birth to a child, nursing the newborn, um, finding healthier ways to to do that at night. So so basically, you're going to keep eating Oreos all through Lent. You're telling me because you're pregnant. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know, I don't need to actually make sure I understand. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Give up. Hey, Eric. Okay. I'm with you. Give up your social media for Lent. That's a good thing. Hundred percent. Stay reading the loop every day. Stay in touch. <laughs> stay in the know. That's still come on. You don't want to give up the loop for Lent. That's like no. I couldn't give up the loop people. for Lent. Because when we'll I get back from my maternity tour, I need to be able to like step right back into this. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, some people uh, listening to Josh on the Loopcast is penitent. So, yeah, you that's know, true. Keep listening. Now, I'll say this in the comments here, Melody. I, I do not understand why age out of fasting. I mean, the idea behind this is that the church in, you know, in her charity allows for people who are too old to, to, 
to, they're abrogated from the duty to fast. But if they are in a position where they can fast, then they they would still they should still fast. That's the same thing. So I mean, not they're just no longer required because of their age. But if you're if you have a healthy reason and you're feeling good, like absolutely do it. And even even the fasting, even if you're not. You can make minor adjustments still too, like giving up sweets, giving up desserts, all those kind of things. All those just little things they add up. I, I, I think we have to understand the spiritual component to our participation in the world, and that involves eating as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely try to uh, surrender to yourself, uh, die to yourself. Yeah, it was really interesting. Something I learned this year, um, getting ready, I read the chapter in uh, Kendra Tierney's book, Catholic All Year, which is a great resource for families if you if you need like a, a new shot of life in celebrating the liturgical year. But until 1966 in the United States, uh, even children were asked to participate in a certain to a certain degree in fasting. Um, on the on the fasting days and adults were asked to fast every weekday of Lent with one meal and then two smaller meals. And that was so just until recently in the 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 long history of the church, it was very recent, 1966, uh, there was a much greater emphasis on on fasting from food. And when the U.S. bishops lifted that to just Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, they actually still have that language of However, you know, the, the obligation is lifted, but it would be better if you continued this practice, kind of like giving up Friday's uh, Friday meat all throughout the year. They lifted that obligation from Catholics, but they still retain the language of it would be better if you kept doing it. Of course, nobody did. Be given well, you nature, still do. But <laughs> you're just allowed. You're, you're allowed, just allowed to substitute. To sub- right. Mm-hmm. Right. You're allowed to substitute a Friday penance. Now, the bishops in the United Kingdom actually reinstituted that and they said no longer make it that you can substitute we really want to bring back meatless fridays for all 52 you know fridays with the exception of solemnities and i think that's a good thing i wish the u.s bishops that would be a great thing for u.s bishops to do we should talk about that all the different things the bishops could consider for this eucharistic uh year this is the third year of this eucharistic revival we should bring some of these things back you know maybe meatless Mm -hmm. fridays all, all throughout the year would be a good thing to bring back. Right. And any one individual bishop has the authority to do that for his diocese, too. It's kind of like the restored order of confirmation. It's not that they have to wait for the whole USCCB to like all be on board and be unanimous about it. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think well, we would have greater <laughs> greater reverence for the Eucharist if we emphasized our own need for repentance more and need for the Eucharist more. Yeah. And, and what up to uh, Jason Stern coming yeah, up here at, at uh, Catholic Vote? Fasting from food is not only good for the soul, but it's great for the belt. Pounds <laughs> to take it more serious. But fasting is not dieting. I do want to make that. <laughs> that that yeah. little mistake. Hey, congrats, don't Jason. Do it for that. Very cool. Um, <laughs> but it is a side benefit. So it's a perk. You well, know? you know what's you guys brought that up about the meatless Fridays. And I've actually, because I run in radical circles, I actually know a lot of families that do do that. But as someone that grew up pretty much with that requirement completely lifted, never understanding that. There's a lot of people that are discovering that almost as a, a cool Catholic tradition thing that they can now take part of and use as a way to um, edify their soul. So I really admire when I see people who clearly not of age to know of a time when that was, but have taken that on as a practice to sanctify themselves. Um, 
something that I want to want to put out there, just something I've been playing around with personally. I think uh, distractions are a huge thing that come up, especially in Latin. A lot of people are talking about deleting social media. Um, there's a lot of other distractions, TV, uh, music, podcast, you know, children. Not the, children. I mean, yeah, there's a lot I of things. Just give up so, children. <laughs> just I, we're not even advertising. What? Like we're not even uh, sponsored by these people, but there's a software called Freedom. And very interesting so far. I've been playing around with it. And essentially, it uh, allows you to block certain things for certain periods of time. So you can set up like focus periods where you want to delete or block social media, your access to them. And it'll just give you a green screen if you come on and say you're free. And I guess I haven't noticed like how many little distractions come in until I like set that up. But I want to start instituting that personally as well, because uh, you can basically block off an entire moment. You can actually restrict internet access from your device. So it's like, okay, I want to be praying during this time. It's like, okay, no access at all. It's just a really, I, I think we underestimate how many engineers get paid to distract us at all times for the sake of making money for their companies. It's like playing uh, playing against a stack deck. And so it's really important to use those, some tools to fight back against that, to understand that our, our attention is being fought over right now by people so that they can help make money. So that's one of the tools that I think I'm going to be using during Lent. I think uh, also food, food, and I, I'm going to give up alcohol, I think, alcohol and sweets. And I saw someone kind of talking down and like, oh, you give up chocolate every year, you give up food every year. Um, I actually don't really, I don't think it's good to talk down on that because while it may seem small, it's like, well, it just could be an easy win for you to deny yourself in a way actually, that just, you could easily acquiesce to so i think that's really positive practice. Well, i don't know tom you're you're a, you're a skinny guy you're in good shape i'm a i'm a guy who's had the battle with the belt for my whole life and it's it's amazing to think that like you know when we think about sin obviously the sexual sins are pretty obvious because we're, we're drowning in a, a culture of pornography out there but it is true that there's any number of ways where you can put god you, you you put something above God, put, you know, like whether it's money, gambling on sports, you know, food can be that for sure. Um, there's any number of things that get between you and God and you, you just have to be careful. It's like, wait a minute now, am I, am I using this to edify my body to help sustain me in a healthy way? Or am I somehow in pain some way and using this to alleviate it and just to feed and fill. Cause I can at least, Hey, I might be, I'm upset about the bills or I'm upset about what's going on at work, but at least I'm, I'm, I'm in control here and I get to eat whatever I want. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, is that a healthy way? Is that, is that really bringing me closer to God? No, it's not. And so, and I remember like um, Michigan, I'm here in Michigan. And unfortunately the citizens here had the choice on the ballot to, to protect children and they voted for abortion. And since they did that, you know, that was in 2022. I said, I'm just going to give up sweets. And unless it's my kid's birthday or my birthday, but for the most part, just, just no desserts. It doesn't need to be a big thing, just a small sacrifice. And cause it, you know, it, we really are in a crazy country in a crazy world in many ways. And I, it's my little reminder. Like I would love to eat sweets, but I am going to offer it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about our faith that something so concrete and uh, pointed. I mean, like the world looks at that and they're like, 
wait, so you're upset about this thing. So you're not going to eat sweet. Like what's the connection? But I, I love how our faith is so sacramental that what we do with our bodies has an impact on these greater kind of spiritual battles that are going on. And it is a spiritual battle for Michigan's soul. And um, yeah, whatever little, little ways we can contribute through our suffering, our voluntary suffering, we have enough involuntary suffering in our lives, but a little bit of voluntary um, also makes such a huge difference. So yeah, I totally honor way. that, Josh. It's awesome. Why? And people wonder why, like, what is it? What are you trying to accomplish with it? Well, part of it is if we want the church to succeed, you need to reform. And that reform starts right here with you. Mm-hmm. And every time you make that sacrifice and you think about it, you're uniting yourself to Jesus Christ suffering on the cross. That is, that has merit. Absolutely. It is, yeah. it is, it is a good thing to do. If I may, one thing that I helped it helped me kind of reveal, I think, a lot of areas in my own life that I needed to improve. But there's an I read this in a book. It was about like treating food or even like TV or just some type of input as like you deserve it. Um, like I worked hard at work today. I deserve, you know, a drink after it's work. All like, advertising I, is centered on that. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of what you say all the time. And actually, Brock Purdy was saying this about the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's not about you. Life is not about you. And so much of the the culture's messaging right now is you deserve this. You're entitled to this. And I think uh, a good time to reflect upon the fact that you're not really entitled to anything and you don't deserve anything is Lent to strip it down to the bear and just be like, you know, I am dust. I came from dust. Well, and I just want to jump into that Tom. Oh, Josh. No, I am. (laughs) Because the thing is, I think sometimes Christians adopt and Catholics do adopt a sort of like, I'm, I'm worthless kind of view of it. And that's not the right way to think of it either. I agree with what you're saying, but I just feel like it should be, it should be humility. Not like I'm just a mop and I'm nothing. God loves you so much. He wants what's best for you. And, and that's, it gets into this idea of you, you, you humble yourself and you will be what God intends you to be. I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I'm not trying to go. I know. I know. But, Thank you for rounding that out. But I think the message that most people need to hear right now is not the the mop dust. It's you're not entitled. Like yeah. I'd say we have more of a problem with that than the other way around. You deserve That's a break it. today. <laughs> uh, we got to do a quick plug. Uh, Nighthawk, you want to put it up? Uh, 40 Days for Life has a campaign. 2024 spring campaign kicks off as Lent begins. So uh, we'll have this in the show notes, but it could be another opportunity to do something positive during Lent. Uh, check it out, 40 Days to Life, great organization. Um, and you can see more in the description. So we run now into the Twilight Zone. Josh, you're up first. Oh, wow. What can I say? Well, um, you know, we hear on the news all, all the uh, illegal immigrants that are coming into this country and uh, and people like to signal their virtue, like these cities were we're a, a sanctuary city and we're welcoming to immigrants. And that's what this couple in Massachusetts were Colin and Jessica Stokes. They're like, yeah, we're, we support immigrants. And they heard that all the uh, illegal immigrants are coming into Massachusetts. And they, so they called the state up and they said, Hey, um, I, I, we can help out. And so uh, the state of Massachusetts is like, um, Okay. And dropped off four people from Chile at their door. 
And so now they've got four people and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to get sheets on the beds. How many are coming? Where are they from? What are their ages? We know nothing, she said to a local news outlet. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. None of us know where any of these people are. <laughs> we have no idea where they're coming from. And so it's just a little sm uh, smack of reality there. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, I actually kind of applaud them for putting their money where their mouth is. Um, now they have these... Uh, uh, two adults, two children. I, I hope these two children are actually children of the parents and they're not just traffic. We don't know. Um, but these students, these two kids are now at the local school. And so the local school is having to accommodate more children. Like if the school was built for a thousand kids, all of a sudden now they might have 1200 or 1300 kids because they've got a bunch of migrants or whatever. And so this is this is where the rubber starting to hit the road for people. Um, I thought it was a pretty amazing moment where they start to realize, wait a minute now, uh, someone might call my bluff. And uh, so kind of a twilight zone there. Agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know if there's anything I can really add to that. So I'm up next, and some of you may have seen this, the uh, cool dictator, uh, Nayib Bukele from El Salvador, was just elected to another term as president. Uh, his achievements include... Uh, taking a country uh, riddled with uh, fear and control of cartels, specifically MS-13, basically ran their country. And to emphasize the point, to get into MS-13, the gang, you have to kill someone in broad daylight and uh, sexually assault as the nicest way of saying what you have to do in order to get the gang. They're the worst of the worst. They have no fear. They tattoo on their faces that they're in the gang. Uh, you, they basically El Salvador was crippled by this gang. And so he, he came into office with the message. We're going to take our country back. We're going to throw all these people in jail and you're going to be the ones to do it. We are instruments of God. We're going to free El Salvador. So he was successful in that. Some, oh, we have the, the other, I was going to play the speech, but obviously it's in a different language. Um, so I tried to transcribe it. I swear I could not find it, which I think is somewhat of a psyop because the, the, of course, what does the Western world have to say about this guy who has a 93% approval rate? His uh, his victory speech was attended like it looked like a huge party. There's so many people there. It's like people as far as I can see, partially because this guy literally saved the country of El Salvador, this Nayib Bukele. Um, the problem that I think a lot of the Western world sees with this is that he referred to himself as the cool dictator. They say that democracy is in threat, uh, that he is actually going to overthrow the rule of democracy in the country as if that's the greatest evil that could befall a country that experienced rape and murder for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years of their lives. And in his victory speech, he talked about God. Uh, he actually knew that that would be picked up by <laughs> world media. He said, here's a quote, like, uh, Bukele talks about God. I know the headlines are already going to say that. Um, and he just said throughout the speech, you are instruments of God. God saved El Salvador. Uh, you know, we don't dislike atheists or people of other religions. Um, we embrace them, but but weird we're going to talk about that. God, which is weird <laughs> that you have to say it, but he knew that he would have to. And the, I believe it was, uh, who's your representative, Josh, in Minnesota? Um, Tlaib? I'm in Michigan now. I know, but Tlaib, uh, Rashid Tlaib, she actually wanted to Oh, no, government. she's in Michigan. She's in Michigan. Who's yeah. the one in uh, Ilan Omar? Omar's Ilan Omar's in Minnesota. So the Twilight Zone partially is that Ilan Omar wanted the U.S. government to intervene in the election in El Salvador because she said it was not democratic. She wanted 
us to get involved in their election process, which is screams democracy already. Um, she herself said that she represents Somalia, not not Minnesota. So she's already okay. got a weird. That's Ilan Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ilan yeah. Omar. I got a lot of weird stuff going on there, and she cares about this guy that freed her country from rape and murder. Uh, that's very popular. And then thanks God in the, in the speech. And he's like, look, we know they're going to say what they're going to say, but we don't care. See, I think it, you missed it, it, Tom. You missed it. You missed the biggest Twilight Zone about this whole story. What's that? The Ameri Okay, you have to understand, the people of Nicaragua, as you said, are El Salvador. enormous. You missed it. El Salvador. Do not El Salvador. mix that up. You're going to be yeah, 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 yeah. The, the good people of El Salvador are super happy about this guy, as you're right, as you said. For getting rid of all these gangs, right? Yep. But what it what did what did the New York Times say about that? Did you hear about that? Yeah, it was uh, infringement on civil liberties, correct? <laughs> the story they ran last year, El Salvador decimated its ruthless gangs, but at what cost? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's crazy. Like huh. they they're using the term democracy as if it's somehow a greater good than getting rid of murderous and raping gangs. Right. Can we all just say that's not like getting rid of murderous and raping games should come above. Well, but of course of in their mind, you can't get rid of crime like this. It's just, it's the new normal and you have to accept it because that's what the crime that, I mean, we have a different kind of crime in Chicago and New York and not, that kind of stuff. I, I'm not saying they're the exact same, but these leftists, these commies say, you just have to suck it up. And this is how it has to always be. It, it doesn't have to be like this. We can yeah. actually get rid of crime. What a concept. Mm -hmm. Right. But it, yeah, it's, I knew he was going to get flack for this. He did get flack for it, but I just think that it's the twilight zone is seeing people's priorities being in the wrong place. Like, shouldn't we be shaking this guy hand guy's hand for freeing the country instead of saying he's infringing on civil liberties by throwing murders, gang rapes in prison. But anyway, congratulations. I think El Salvador has a bright future and people there are going to be enjoying peace that they haven't enjoyed in a long time hope they, so can, keep it. Hope yeah. they can keep it hope they can keep it erica your thoughts on oh my gosh this was like of all the things that happened last week this got me the, uh, the most angry i'm a little bit of an anglophile i love the english martyrs i love the the history of the catholic church in england and one of my big beefs is that the anglican church you know they still have custody quote-unquote of all these beautiful cathedrals that were built our churches our churches right. and i've spent i've spent quite a bit of time in england visiting these churches and it's just it is tragic to see them uh stripped of jesus christ and these and in the eucharist but not so tragic when i was there as what happened february 8th and 9th so we had we're gonna pull up uh we have night hawk Edward Penton, he, he has a video footage here. This is Canterbury Cathedral, the seat of the Anglican Church, the one-time seat of the Catholic Church in the British Isles, one of the most beautiful shrines in all of Europe, built for Thomas Beckett, and well, originally built much, much before, before Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett was martyred there for standing up to the king, his one-time friend, King Henry of England. He was stabbed to death famously by the four knights. And the Anglican church decided to hold a 90s silent disco with over 3,000 people showing up. You could see some of the footage had the, the faithful praying outside. And they're waving, the, the people inside are waving these batons and the uh, the Anglican rector assured everyone that this would be a a, a respectful raid. 
We had a respectful rave inside. It was ridiculous. And it's just, it's so sacrilegious and, and tragic. I mean, this again, this is the site of one of the, of some of the multiple greatest moments. I mean, St. Anselm was there. St. Thomas Becket is buried there still. Great Kings of England have done penance there for their sins. And uh, this, this is actually a quote from St. Thomas Becket himself. Jonathan Liedel posted this the day that the story dropped. With shame be it spoken, by her fall, the church's liberties have been sacrificed for the sake of temporal advantages. The road to her ruin lay through the sinuous paths of riches. She has been prostituted in the streets to princes. And I mean, yeah, it looked like a big piece of prostitution going on there in that cathedral. So... Josh is doing penance for the sins of Michigan. I think we all need to do a little bit of penance for the sins of, of the church in England because just let me pitch, Erica. So let me pitch a, a, pitch a, a new yeah. he gets us campaign. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be someone flipping the DJ decks in this cathedral and kicking everyone out. Oh, that would have been awesome. He Flip the us. DJ deck. I like it. We'll have to call we'll me have up. To get the video team. Yeah, get the video team. Call to do me up. That. Let me know. I got ideas. I'm sure AI yeah, could generate that for us. <laughs> AI could definitely uh, wash someone washing Trump's feet. That would Ooh, definitely be that would uh, be subversive. Provocative. Very. <laughs> <laughs> people are so unserious. That me gonna I'm just gonna stop by the family planning uh, house mm. in my local community get my feet washed. Whatever, okay. <laughs> oh oh whoa whoa yeah Night they don't hot. wash feet they they chop feet off. Yeah. Night, Nighthawk is throwing up my 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 tweets. There's Pogo. He gets us. I love that so, tweet, Pogo. You know, thank you. Thank yeah, you. A little window into your soul there. Yeah. Looks but good. You, you didn't get the one before that of Angels in the Outfield coming to lift uh, Harrison Buckers. Uh, <laughs> I did <laughs> I did see the Angels in the Outfield reference. That was um <laughs> it was great. I just, that whole right. disco thing though is frustrating. Yeah. It's just like the idea that you know, anything that we have to offer in this, you know, religious service it must be inherently boring and have mm-hmm. no relevance to the lives of people who are under 40. So we got to do something cool and bring it, you know, make it a discotheque. And yeah. it, it, to me, that's when you should quit. That's when you should quit. Get the heck out of there and let someone else run the church. Because you know what? We have Jesus. Exactly. That's who we have. Like that tweet you did, Pogo. He he is the one who gets us. And mm-hmm. again, the the part the problem with too many churches, not just Catholic, but Catholic included, is that we think it's all about the congregation and it should be about Jesus. And we should try to devoid ourselves and worship him and put the emphasis on him. That's what we need. We don't need 100% the text. Well, and to go back to that Anthony Eslin article, I know we're over time, but just to go back to that Anthony Eslin article in Chronicle, which we will post here, uh, we had a bunch of quotes we wanted to share, ran out of time. But one of the things he said when he talks about this battle in the church that we saw that you see sort of like in its extremists in that rave in Canterbury Cathedral. And he says, you know, our arguments in the church don't matter. What we have failed to see as believing Christians, is that our opponents in the church do not really believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of God, the only begotten. 
And furthermore, for liberal progressive, you know, non-Christians in the church, they can't have some people still believing Jesus is Lord and his word is truth, rather than just being some historically conditioned fellow yearning for a better world that should be manifest in ourselves. The people who believe in Jesus Christ are a living reproach to the people who put up that rave in Canterbury Cathedral. And so you, by your faith, anyone listening, you, by your faith in Christ, are a living uh, reproach to them and an offense to them. So keep being that. You be that reproach. You be that offense. And uh, that's why I'm looking forward to Lent. I'm like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be offensive. So the the Lenten uh, practice for the Loopcast will unfortunately be we'll have to abstain from having Erica on the program as she is going to be having her maternity leave. I'm referring it to as the great uh, maternity leave tour. Erica maternity leave tour. It's going to be great. She will be missed. You will be of course, doing something much more important, uh, you know, nurturing and raising your your child. We're so excited for you. Please pray for Erica as she approaches closer to that, that due date. We're, we're giving up Erica for Lent. So <laughs> well, no, we're going to have to abstain from it because it's a good, you know, mm-hmm. so it's going to be tough. Um, but on the flip side, cool, we're going to put this out a little bit. Um, you're going to get to meet some other Catholic vote uh, personalities, as it were, which is exciting. Uh, we're we're going to have Brian on the program, president of Catholic vote. We're going to have Logan so on, on the political team. Uh, it's going to be a fun merry-go-round of personalities. I think it's going to be really fresh. We're going to have fun with it. And hopefully we will survive until Erica redraws the program. There's no replacing her. No way around it. Absolutely none. But yeah, just to, to let you guys know that's going to be coming. If you want to keep helping the program, subscribe to the YouTube, like this episode, share this with some friends. Tell them you come join us on Mondays noon Eastern. That's when we're going to be doing it every single week. Uh, if you want to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us five stars. We appreciate that a lot. If you'd like to talk to me, ask me some questions, put in some mailbag stuff, loopcast at catholicvote.org. I will be able to communicate with you there. It's going to be great. Um, to the chat, thank you all for joining. We appreciate you all very much. Had a lot of fun. Josh was interacting again. So if you'd like to interact with Josh in the future, again, Monday, noon, Easter time. And we're going to end... Uh, St. Fidelis, St. Thomas More, Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us, and we'll see you guys on the next one. See you guys.